Thank you for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, scan the QR code right here on your screen. You can also find them on our app. Happy Father's Day! In today's message, Becoming Awesome, Pastor Dwayne is teaching us the importance of living in a God-centered home. God is a God of households. He wants you, your spouse, your kids, their kids, and their kids, but it starts with you. Let's see how. Well, today I, I want to talk to parents, fathers and mothers, but it's Father's Day. I guess I'm going to pick a little bit more on the fathers. Uh, I remember, I think I was six years old, we were uh, visiting my grandmother up in McBain, Michigan. And I was given what I thought was the greatest gift ever. I got a BB gun. Right next to the house was the orchard, and I went out there trying to shoot birds. And I know it's terrible, but that's what we did. But I just thought, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Right? Uh, but really, the truth is, when we give somebody what they need, you know, that's the greatest. We want to give the greatest, the most powerful, the most impactful. Right? And so really, this, this message is to every parent and to every grandparent. Uh, we have four kids and 19 grandchildren. And uh, we were talking, our oldest grandchild is 18. And we we're saying, you know, four or five years from now, they could be married and, and have kids. So that would mean we're great grandparents. I said, that's no big deal. But Jeannie said, what's the big deal is that our kids will be grandparents. <laughs> now, that's a big deal when your kids are grandparents. Right? I think as, as parents, we all know we're not perfect. We've made mistakes. And if there's any place we don't want to make a mistake, it's, it's at home, but we all do. The psalmist said this way. He says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, will and when I come to you, I will walk with integrity of heart within my own house. I'll set, I will not set before my eyes anything that's worthless. And then he goes on, he says, and I won't let it cling to me. He's saying, you know, I want to do what's right, especially in my own house. And I just want to say that there are no such thing as perfect parents. Every parent makes a mistake at some time or another. And the, the parenting job, it's never, listen, listen, you young, young, young parents, the parenting job is never over. Um, like I said, our kids are all grown. I think our youngest is 30, what, 30, 33, all right? But you know what? When they hurt, you hurt. In fact, I've actually said this to Jeannie. He says, you're like, you're never doing better than your kids because whatever is happening in their life, it's still happening in your life. And that, that desire for, your, for it to go well with your family. Uh, when Rahab, who's one of the heathens in the, in the promised land, and they go in and they make an agreement with her that they're going to save her. The first thing that she does, and she says, me and my father's house. She's concerned about her family. You know, and when you're really right with God, I want to say something. You're concerned about your family. It's not just me, but it's about our family. Uh, Daniel read from Genesis chapter 18, where God is speaking about Abraham. He says, for I know him, in order that he com may command his children and his household after him. Well, obviously, um, Abraham had prayed for his family, but he put some legs to his prayers. 
And how many of you know that when you pray, very often God talks to you about being an answer to that prayer? And it's true. Well, Abraham commanded his children and his household after him. You know, the greatest gift that we could ever give our children is to pass our faith on to our children. In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, Paul is speaking to to Timothy, and he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith which is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. Uh, Grandma passed her faith to her daughter who passed her faith to her son. And uh, that's more than anything else. As as our children were growing up, that's what we wanted to do was pass our faith on to them. And now we've got grandchildren, and it's the same way. We want to pass on our faith. In 1 Samuel 12, Samuel said this. He said, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and cease praying for you. Now, you may have never thought of it this way, but Samuel said, man, if I stop praying, he said, that's a sin. That's a sin. Now, I want to talk to fathers a minute. You know, the Bible actually says that you're the head of your household in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. I know this isn't a popular verse, but it's the Bible. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. When a man comes to Jesus and wants healing for his son. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And we we often refer to this as relational authority. Uh, You have more authority in your family, even in the natural. When your children are growing up, you discipline them, but how many of you know your neighbors don't? Because you have that relational authority authority in their life. And the same thing is true spiritually. And Jesus said, this, this, this young boy, you can, dad, you can believe for him. And, and in, the, in the spiritual world, there is relational authority. When it comes to your home, to your family, in the spirit realm, you have more authority. Praying prayers of protection, prayers of consecration, prayers for their health, prayers for them to be in the will of God, prayers about their future. I know with our children, before our kids came out of the womb, we'd already been praying for their spouse. We're praying about their future Uh, and uh, praying safety. Oh, my goodness. We had boys and our girls. She was crazy, too. They were all crazy. But scientifically... All right, they, they have proven that the frontal lobe all right, isn't fully developed, especially in males, until they're 25 years old. You say, what does that mean? Well, that is the part of your brain that controls risk-taking. Right? And uh, how many of you notice that young men sometimes do not have any sense when it comes to risk-taking? It's because their frontal lobe is not fully developed. They need prayer. They need to be under the blood of Jesus, right? But obviously, we can't be with our kids and prepare them for every situation. But we do need to teach them to take responsibility for their actions. I mean, you go back to Genesis chapter 3. We have Adam and Eve. And when they sin, Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. 
Nobody's willing to take, uh, take the, the responsibility. And it's something we need to teach. Uh, I've got here a few, how do we say this? Well, people who were in accidents, the insurance company had them fill out a form. And these are some of the, the, the actual responses that people gave for the reason that they were in an accident. It says, I pulled away from the side of the road. I glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. An invisible car went, came out of nowhere, struck my car and vanished. Coming home, I drove into the wrong driveway and collided with a tree I don't have. <laughs> to avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck the pedestrian. I was sure the old fellow would never make it to the other side of the road when I struck him. The pedestrian had no idea which way to run as I ran him over. I saw a slow-moving, sad-faced old gentleman as he bounced over the roof of my car. The incident was ca that caused this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. The telephone pole was approaching. I was attempting to swerve out of its way when it struck the front end of my vehicle. When I saw I couldn't avoid a collision, I stepped on the gas and crashed into the other car. No one was to blame for the accident. It would have never happened if the other driver had been alert. The pedestrian ran for the pavement, but I got him. <laughs> the accident was caused by me waving at the man I'd hit last week. <laughs> We're always wanting to, to pass the blame. But one of the things that we need to teach is we need to teach our children to take responsibility. But talking about prayers, in Isaiah 54, in verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Now notice it says every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. It's every situation, every giant, every trial. Notice that we need to be aggressive. We need to take responsibility and we need to speak. We need to cancel out the plans that the devil has for our life. Uh, years ago, I preached a sermon and, and the title of the message was How to Cancel the Devil's Decisions how to cancel the devil's decisions. And we really do do it with our tongue. We speak against that situation, that giant, that trial, that tongue that rises up against us. In Psalms 91, it says, no evil will befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I think most Christians don't realize that Angels are actually activated by what you do. I should say it this way, by what you say. In Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Heeding the voice of his word. You know, when you and I speak the word of God, angels begin to move in on our behalf. Angels perform their job as guards and protectors when we speak God's word. 
Now, Jesus said in Matthew 18 that, speaking of little children, that their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. You know, you don't lose your angel when you turn 12. There really are guardian angels. But they begin to move because they heed the voice of his word. And when you and I speak his word and give it voice, we, we literally let the angelic activity begin to, begin to flow for our benefit. And as Christians today, particularly in Western culture, we don't think a lot about angels. But I, rem- I remember uh, the, the wedding ceremony. And, you know, we start every wedding ceremony the same. So we're all gathered together here in the presence of God and his holy angels to join in holy matrimony, this man and this woman. Recognizing that there's angels. If we could see into the spirit realm right now, there would be literally thousands of angels right here in this room. I think most of them are bored stiff. They're probably getting unemployment checks. (laughs) Because we don't have them doing anything because we're not giving voice to his word. But when we begin to give voice to his word, angels are activated. Now, one of the things that that we don't realize is our prayers, they keep on working. They keep working. Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And sometimes we pray prayers and, and we think, and we believe God and we think it's We just kind of forget about it. But those prayers, they keep on working. Abraham's nephew is in the wicked city of Sodom. And God has come to destroy the city. And Abraham is walking with the Lord. And and he said, well, if there's 50 righteous, will you save that city? Spare the whole city? And he said, yes. And he goes to 45. And then he goes to 40. And then he goes to 30. And then he goes to 20. And he goes to 10. And he said, if there's just 10 righteous in that city, would you spare the whole city for the sake of the 10 righteous? And God says, yes. And then Abraham, the Bible says, he turned and he went back to his tent. But it says, when it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities in the plain, that God remembered Abraham. And he sent Lot out in the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Even though Abraham had not even gotten down to where if there's one righteous, because Abraham had prayed, God spared Lot. We need to make sure that our children are covered with prayer and make sure that they're exposed to the word of God and worship. Now, today is, is, I'm like preaching to the choir because how many know it's a beautiful day? You know, but there's a lot of times what people will do. Well, people say, well, it's a nice day. And so we're going to do something else today. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go golfing. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But what you're teaching your children is that there are things that are more important than worship, more important than the kingdom of God, where Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And then all these things will be added to us. In fact, I want to teach you a phrase, all right? When somebody says to you, uh, let's go golfing on Sunday, you just say this right after church. When somebody says, let's go to the beach, you say, 
And somebody says, let's go for dinner. You say, you got it. You got it. Put first the kingdom. You know, when, when, when you put other things as more important than the kingdom, you're teaching your children something that you do not want them to learn. And let me say this, because Jeannie taught me this. She says, our compromises will be our children's norms. Our compromises will be our children's norms. So keep on putting first the kingdom. Now, there was a time, most of you don't remember this, but we had a Saturday night service. We had four Sunday morning services and two Sunday night services. And that was just, we were back over in our, our other building. And that's what it took to accommodate the crowd. Let me just say something. Our kids went to every service. Every service. No exceptions. And they enjoyed it. You know, we got them helping, doing something, seeing their friends. Now, they might say, well, I just don't have any friends. Well, what you're doing them is you're teaching them to be a friend to God, which is the most important thing that we can teach them. And, and I know that sometimes uh, we have children that are prodigals. They're away from God. Right? And there, there should never be a time when you extend more grace than when somebody in your family is away from God. Keep praying. Now, I'm not saying you compromise. There can be a time when somebody, a child, someone in your family is living in your house and, and they're bringing into your house things that you do not want, need, or should not have in your house. And, and you may need to have them separated, move out. But you need to let them know, we love you and we are always, always here for you. And we're always going to be praying for you. That that prodigal, like the prodigal that Jesus told the story about, it says he came to himself. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread and enough and despair, and I perish from hunger. And I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You know, when he left home, he said, give me, give me, give me, give me. But when he came back, it was different. He came to himself. He repented, and he said, make, make me, make me. Now, and with your words, you need to be speaking blessing over your family. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat its fruit. Speak words of life, of destiny over your children. You know, the Bible says this in Numbers 18, is God is teaching Israel how to bless. He says, speak to Aaron and his son, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. How do you do it? Say to them. How do you bless your children? Say to them. Now, you say, but they're not serving God, but you're going to begin to say about them. All right? And he says, say to them, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. Nothing broken nothing missing. Shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. He said, the way that you bless them is you speak words of life over them. 
And no matter where your children are, you can begin to speak words of life over your children. Uh, first time I went to Israel was in 1984, when the, the Jewish father that we spent the Shabbat with, his children lined up, and each one of them sat on his knee. The oldest one was probably 16 years old. He put his hands on them, spoke a blessing over each one of them. We go to Shmuel's house. Does the, Rabbi Shmuel does the exact same thing. Children line up, sit on right there in front of their father, sit on his knee. He puts his hand on their head and speaks a blessing over them. You know, that's something that we've lost. I mean, you know, Jesus, the Bible says, he put his hands on the children and he blessed them. He blessed them. Now, that's just not something that Jesus can do. That's something that you and I should do. We need to speak blessing over our children. In 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 4, it says this, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. It's talking about those that are away from God. Whose minds the God of this age have blinded, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should, should uh, shine on them. See, the reason that people are away from God, the reason that they haven't received the gospel is because Satan, the God, small g, of this world system has blinded their eyes. But you and I, we have authority. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, we need to pray before there's a problem. And when we pray before there's a problem, I believe there will be less problems. But when we have a child that's away from God or somebody we're praying for away from God, we need to realize this is a spiritual battle. The Bible says the devil's blinded their eyes and we have authority to bind the enemy and to loose the spirit of God. Prayer is not to be an act of desperation, but God's divine plan for your family and mine. Not an act of desperation. And again, we may feel like we've made mistakes. Everybody has. But keep praying. Keep believing. In, in Luke 18, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples about prayer. And uh, he's teaching them to always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. And he tells them a parable about a, a certain judge who Jesus said he didn't fear God or regard man. But there was a certain widow who just wouldn't quit. And she kept going back and going back and going back and going back. And finally, the unjust judge says, this widow is going to wear me out. I'm going to give her justice. Even though I don't fear God or man, I'm going to give her justice. And Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bear long with him? And Jesus is saying, we just need to keep on praying, right? When I was putting this message together and meditating on it, I could not help but think about Anthony Flew. Now, Anthony Flew was born in England in 1923, son of Methodist pastors. They ended, he, he was a brilliant, even as a child, and they sent him to a private boys' school founded by John Wesley. So this is a Christian school. Right? His parents are pastors. 
But at 15 years of age, he becomes an atheist. He begins to argue with friends and for, for, with his teachers against the existence of God. He ends up going to Oxford University. And there at the Socratic Club, he actually debates C.S. Lewis against the existence of God. He became the number one, the champion intellectual atheist in the entire world, published over 40 different books and papers arguing against the existence of God. And again, the leading intellectual atheist. And think of it, his parents are pastors. I know they prayed for him. He's a pastor's kid. I can imagine what people are saying. What's wrong with that pastor? Look at his kid. His kid's out there turning people away from God. But his parents never gave up. People have been talk. But how many of you know people always talk? You know, as somebody said, you know, the dogs bark, but the train moves on. And I like that. Well, that's what they did. And they just kept on praying until they died. In 2003, he became one of the, the signers of the Human Manifesto, the third one. However, in 2004, he changed his position. And he stated that he now believed in the existence of an intelligent creator, shocking his colleagues and the entire world of intellectual atheists. I mean, this was like the equivalent of Billy Graham and the Pope becoming atheists. And he wrote a book. I've got my copy right here. And uh, I think they've got to you know, take a picture. There is a God. They brought to him the DNA evidence. And when he saw the complexity of the human DNA, he said, it is absolutely impossible that this could have ever happened, no matter how many trillions of years it took by chance. There is a God. There is a God. So the leading intellectual atheist in the world totally changes his stance. And that book was put out in 2004. And the appendix of the book is the theologian N.T. Wright arguing for the divinity and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this. Anthony Flew, in the end, did more to bring people to God than if he had been a Methodist pastor all his life. And his parents' prayers, in the end, they were answered. It took a long time. They were dead, but their prayers were answered. Huh? Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Jesus said, don't quit. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. And when you don't see anything happen, that doesn't mean that nothing is happening. Here's somebody who literally for 70 plus years is an atheist, the leading atheist, intellectual atheist in the world. And he turns. He turns in his 80s. I think that's just phenomenal. You know, we need to pray prayers of consecration for our children. You know, when we dedicate our children, that's really what we're supposed to be doing, is dedicating them to God, to, to live for God, and to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for their life. Samuel's mother, who had been barren and had prayed for a child, said, so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. I give him over to the Lord. And there she worshiped. 
You know, when you do that, you're worshiping. But we need to give our children over to the Lord. Sometimes we've got plans for our children. But you realize God can have a different plan? And, and, and I've actually seen children. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I am 100% sure God called these kids. But their parents, their parents took them in a different direction. And today the children are not serving God. But in God's hands is the safest place and the most secure place that any of us could ever be. And that's true about our children. I know when Jeannie and I went to Mexico, my parents in particular, my, my, my mother was really quite concerned. But we told her way back then, there's no place safer for us than in the will of God, doing what God has called us to do. And nobody reaches their full potential until they're put in God's hands. And if we want our children to reach their full potential, we need to put them in God's hands. Psalm 56 in verse 9, the psalmist wrote and said, This I know, because God is for me. And I want to tell you what I know. I know that God is for you. You may feel like God's abandoned you. You may feel like it's too late for you, that you've done things that, that have separated you from God. But I know this that God loves you, that God is reaching out to you, that it is not too late, that the devil, Jesus said, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come, and this is for you, that you may have life and have it abundantly. He doesn't just want you forgiven. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. When Peter preached the first sermon, he said, be saved from this perverse generation, not just go to heaven, but he wants his kingdom to come into your life. He wants to be inside of you, making you brand new on the inside. In Jeremiah 29, the Old Testament prophet said this. He said, God says, I know the thoughts I think about you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And God said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. See, God is saying, you call on me today. You pray to me today. I'm going to listen to you. You know, if you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God, or you're away from God, and you say, I want to get right. I want to be forgiven. I want to live my life for God. I want to be a part of that kingdom of God. I want you to just bow your head. Pray this prayer out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart, all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm your child today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually full of bullet points to show you your next steps. I want to send it to you free of charge. You can download that book or you can contact us and we'll send it to you absolutely free. This is going to help you as you continue to grow in Christ. God bless you and have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we are so excited for you. 
Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives all over the world with the truth of God's Word. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways you can give. One, text WBF Give to 1 364 Give. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. And three, click on the giving icon in our app. When you choose to sow a seed into the kingdom of God, that money might leave your hand, but the blessing that comes from it will stay with you for eternity. We'd love to connect with you. Scan the code on your screen with your smartphone. From there, you can follow us on your favorite platform, download our app, become a partner, and much more. I pray you begin to speak your authority over your family and all over your relationships. Have a wonderful and blessed week.